Good morning, everyone. If I haven't met you, I'm Pastor Carrie. I'm the interim pastor here at New City. And I just wanted to welcome you. We have been going through the book of Acts this past summer. And today we are in um, a passage of scripture that talks about transformed community. And I really love the verse that Kate read the chapter from the Psalms because to us it sounds like it's such a foreign concept of unity being as precious as oil on a head running down through a beard. Like when I read that scripture, I'm like, that is messy. But that oil was a sign of anointing and of goodness and of abundance. And and I feel like evermore right now we need to have unity within the church as brothers and sisters in Christ because our world is so divided right now. And so today, as we come to God's word this morning, we are going to be thinking and considering what transformed community looks like from inside the church and how we can do that really well when God is working that within us here and that pours out into our world. You know, God says we are to be the salt of the earth. We are to be the light of the world. We are not to stink it up and make the world worse. We're supposed to be like a fragrant offering when we go out because Christ is in us. And so that's where I want to encourage you today. And I've been feeling really excited about this um, sermon this past week, and I've, I've been thinking about um, something hard that's coming up tomorrow for, for me personally, maybe for some of you, and, and just kind of a reminder where we're at in our world and how kind of divided and hard and um, unpredictable it is. Tomorrow at my work, we get to go back to wearing masks again in person, um, in, and we get a letter from um, our HR saying, no, regardless of vaccination, um, regardless of any of that, um, clients, I'm also a therapist during the week, but regardless that clients and therapists have to start wearing masks again in person. And when I read that email on Friday at four o'clock, I was like, oh, okay, <sighs> here we go again. And, and I'm not sure how some people are going to react to that this week. And it was just a reminder of how much we need Jesus right now to bring his unity and peace to our world. And, and even when there's things out of our control right now and We can't control COVID. We can't control the responses we are having to the things that we're having to do and not do. But we can control how we feel inside, and we can control the fact that Jesus is the one in control, and that is the only place that we really find our control. And I pray that that will strengthen us as a church in this next season. No matter what happens, that we will ride this roller coaster together and know that the Lord is with us. As I begin today, I wanted to just start out and praying. So will you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you are the one who is in control of this world. Thank you, Father, for the people that are here today and for the body of Christ that I see around me. Thank you for our children and the reminders of their part in the body of Christ. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to understand the mindset that you have for us when we seek to have your mind and your thoughts and your eyes for each other in this world. Holy Spirit, I ask for you to fill us, empower us, and, and keep working within us, Lord. None of us are finished right now. We're, we're all a work in progress. And so, Lord, would you just give us patience with each other and with ourselves? And would you work um, strong, beautiful, love community inside New City. I thank and praise you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.
So we're going to be starting in Acts chapter 4. We're also going to be in Philippians 2 this morning. But as we start today, um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts 4.32. Otherwise, it is on the screen as well. In Acts 32, it says, Acts 4.32, sorry. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there was no needy person among them. From time to time, those who owned the land, land or houses, sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, this scripture always catches me because I just think, first of all, I mean, this is pretty amazing that, you know, at, at this point, we're probably talking more than 5,000 people together as we, as we track along with where the count was in Acts of more and more people coming to know Christ and follow him and, and be formed of this new Christian community called Followers of the Way, which was the reference to Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. But it says that they, all these people who had come from different places and family backgrounds and socioeconomic statuses, that they were one in heart and mind, and then it, it went even farther that their possessions, they weren't even claiming their possessions as their own. I, I started thinking about like record collections today or, or your, your jewelry or your shoes or your, my, we have a lot of golf stuff in our house or our clothing, our food, our furniture. It, it just went on and on and on. And it seems that whatever possessions they had in this ancient culture though, that it, they didn't count anything theirs anymore because of Christ and that they shared, and then it says that the, the power, the Holy Spirit was so at work in the apostles, and they were testifying not to themselves or to what God was doing, but to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were testifying that Jesus rose from the dead and they could have new life in him, and then the outcome was God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there was no need around them. Isn't that just beautiful? It just makes me think like, oh, Lord, that is like awesome. And so I come to this question, how did this happen? And it was because of Jesus. And it was because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, as we go to the next slide, it's important to think about this, that the early church had two important and essential ingredients. You think about a recipe and like what would be like in bread, the probably two most important things in bread would be like the, the flour, obviously, and the yeast to make it. I mean, you'd need the water or the, the milk to make it, you know, gooey and all that. But you think about, like, in a recipe, you have essentials. Well, they had two essentials, and it was the common goal. The common goal was Christ, and they had a common mindset. And so as we go to the next slide, thinking about this, the goal was people hearing the good news, people hearing about Jesus, people hearing about the resurrection, that Jesus didn't stay dead, that he conquered sin, death, and the devil. And then their mindset shifted, and it was to be like Jesus. So those were the two things, hearing the good news, proclaiming the good news, not keeping it to themselves, and then a shifted mindset was we are going to be like Jesus, and Jesus had changed us. I love this picture of, of mindset. 
Um, I love Scrabble. That's one thing. Like if you, if any of you ever said you play Scrabble with me, we'd be good for the rest of our lives. Like I put you in my will. That's how much I love Scrabble. <laughs> but I love this picture because mindset is a real thing. Um, and you probably hear that. That's, that's a really popular word that we hear um, these days. And mindset is an important thing that I talk about in my other, in my other work as a therapist. But um, as we come to the next slide, like understanding what is mindset? Mindset is an established set of attitudes held by someone. I thought about this, like I've never really considered it that it's established set of attitudes. That means that our mindset becomes formed really quickly and mindset is really hard to change. As we get older, I notice this, I'm becoming more and more fixed in, in what I'm willing to do or what I think about or what I believe. And that's, and that's good, but sometimes that can be really not good because if God is working within us, we have to be willing to adopt his mindset even farther, and that's, and that's hard. And this is also important to think that our mindset is intentional. You know, we think about how um, when we come to something that we know is wrong, and that means that our mindset is going to have to intentionally shift. We think about the attitudes of slavery a long, long time ago, and when people started saying, this is sinful, this is wrong, it took, think about our nation, the, the shift in mindset, mindset that it took people to come around to say, all people are created in God's image. You think of how, how, how that was for us as a culture and as a people. Um, God is in the business, though, of changing minds and hearts. Sometimes the hardest, um, hardest distance is from our mind, the 12 inches down to our heart, to make a complete change. Um, two things that I wish our kids were in here right now because this is a familiar thing that they hear about, but there's two types of mindsets, and we talk a, a lot about this in schools right now, and we also talk this in the therapy world, and it's fixed mindset and growth mindset. I'm seeing some nodding, so clearly this is something that people have heard. Um, I found a really nice um, image for you, a couple of them, and to think about this, what kind of mindset do you have? And obviously, all of us would like to say, yep, I have a growth mindset. That's so me. But you know, really, I think, I think that's not us always. So a growth mindset, we're going to go positive first. A growth mindset says, I can learn anything I want to. When I'm frustrated, I persevere. I don't give up. I want to challenge myself. When I fail, I learn. Tell me I try hard. If you succeed, I'm inspired. It means I cheer you on. My effort and attitude determine everything. Then we come to the fixed mindset. I'm either good at it or I'm not. When I'm frustrated, I give up. I don't like to be challenged. When I fail, I'm no good. Tell me I'm smart. If you succeed, I feel threatened. My abilities determine everything. Obviously, we want to keep pushing towards the growth mindset, if you, if you catch that. With a growth mindset model to the next one, another way to think of it is instead of, I'm not good at, at this, I give up, it's not good enough, I can't make any better, this is too hard, I made a mistake, I just can't do this, I'll never be that smart, plan A didn't work, my friend can do it. That's the fixed mindset. The growth mindset says, try thinking, what am I missing? I'll try a different strategy. Is this really my best work? I can always improve. This may take some time. Mistakes help me learn. I'm going to try to train my brain. I will learn how to do this. There's always plan B. I'll learn from them. It's really important to think about that when we have a growth mindset, we believe that knowledge and skills can be developed with hard work, that we can, we can tell ourselves that we like to try new things. We like challenge, and we're not afraid of failing. We see failure as a chance to grow. We see feedback as an opportunity to develop. That's where I'm still working on. And we seek opportunities to improve and change. 
The reason I bring that up is because when you look at Philippians chapter two, and what I believe really is the essential mindset for Christian community to to flourish and thrive, it is when we have the mindset of Christ, and when we keep seeking to have the mind of Christ. In Philippians chapter two, um, I wanted to read this with you, it's Christ's example of humility. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, Paul says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is from Christ Jesus. Remember, go back to mindset. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That last part of Philippians was an early creed that the church said as a form of unity surrounding who they were about and who they were following and who had had changed them. Um, The beautiful thing about mindset is we we do so much... um, research on the brain is is neuroplasticity and that is the understanding that our brain has the capacity to change one one thing that's a really um, beautiful and simple um, therapeutic technique that i often use for people that are having trouble with anxiety and depression is is cognitive behavioral therapy and that means that your thoughts implicate your feelings which then implicate behavioral outcomes so that means The thoughts I think inform my feelings, which then shows up in what I do or I don't do. And so a a beautiful thing to think about is when Jesus is in the business of changing our hearts and our minds to line up with his, our thoughts start to change, and then our feelings start to change, and then our behavior changes, which is where we get beautiful Christian community. And I go back to that first slide that said, how did this happen? And it was because Jesus was changing thoughts, he was changing attitudes, He was changing their understanding of each other and how they saw each other, how they saw their stuff, how they saw that the kingdom of heaven was much bigger than just here and now, and they were able to love each other really well, and that's what changed the world was their love. Some commentators um, offer up some really interesting thoughts on this particular passage in Philippians, and it's really important because Paul repeats this four times in Philippians, but he says, so... If you have any encouragement, literally meaning support in Christ, any power assisting of your own, he means of course you can. And the word support also comes from the word paraclete, which is the word for Holy Spirit. It's applied in the fourth gospel of John and the Spirit in 1 John 2, 1 to Christ himself. And this name literally means one to whom you call to your side, meaning if you have any encouragement, it's the, it's the support of the Holy Spirit coming to your side. He also is translated in the Latin of advocatus, which is for advocate. advocate. And it means um, something that comes alongside and actively helps us, speaks on our behalf. 
So the best translation is really comforter in the original sense of helper and strengthener. So again, when the Apostle Paul says any encouragement, it's going to come from the Holy Spirit. It's going to strengthen. And it's going to help you do something that you can't do. And that is where we rely on the Holy Spirit to work in our churches and help us. It's interesting, too, to note that right now Paul was speaking to a church that was divided. And we don't know, like, we don't know why the church was divided, but he was talking specifically to two women who um, there was some division and disunity. One scholar kind of noted, he goes, there must have been an election coming up or something, and they, they couldn't agree on that. But he was encouraging the church to not be divided, to be loyal and faithful to one another. And so this is important for us to think about. Because of sin, you know, from that day to this, the work of the church and in every kind of hu- human organization, there's going to be personal rivalries. There's going to be there's going to be the influence of sin in our culture upon us, and so it's going to take everything we can to fight against that and to think about how Jesus cause, causes us to be different and to look different, to smell different, to, to every part of us, the aroma of Christ is supposed to show up differently than in the world. And so he's encouraging the church in Philippi to be different and, and to line up with Christ and have the same mindset as Christ. He also says some important things of, he says, complete my joy. You know, he's proud of them, and he rejoices in the progress they've made. But there's something more that they can do to complete that joy. And he says, have the same mind. He means actually working together harmoniously, because in all of them, the same disposition comes from Christ. And he's telling them how Christ himself is the grand example of this disposition of mind, because Jesus was united with God the Father. He tells them to have the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. He says there will be a common love, a common ardor, a common purpose, and this perfect unity will come about only when all the different people make up the society together, have that one mind of Christ. And I keep thinking about him like, Lord, it's so simple, but it's so hard. And it requires our obedience, really, at the end of the day. It requires us laying down our own rights and looking to Jesus and trusting him and, and, like I said, looking different in the world. Paul offers a test which is not so definitive at the time, but it's far more searching. He says, Christianity is a condition of the mind. However far those who profess it may differ from each other. And you think about, like, all of us here, we, we come from different backgrounds. We come from different ways of doing things. Um, I grew up on a farm. There are those of you that grew up in a city. Um, I always think about how the community I was raised in was a German-Norwegian community that was full of a lot of Democrats and Republicans, but when we came to church, it was Jesus. There was none of that. It was we were united in Christ. He tells us that amidst all the differences, they can understand one another and feel that they are united because of Christ and because they have the same desire to know God and serve him. And again, it comes back to the two essential ingredients that, the, that we are talking about in Acts. It's that we see the kingdom of God, and that is our purpose, and also we see the loving and flourishing of each other. Um, I really want to encourage you, um, when, when we think about his admonition of do nothing from selfishness or conceit, it means that with Christ and with new thoughts and new feelings, it impacts behavior so we become selfless. It means that we have to be aware of those parts of us that um, maybe we're still working on, and, and it's really hard to admit to God saying, yep, I'm selfish. Yep, I secretly cheer against people when, when something screws up. Or, yep, 
I really don't want the best for my neighbor because it means that I didn't get what I wanted. Um, sometimes that happens at work where someone will get a promotion and secretly we're like, how come I didn't get that? Or something happens to another friend, um, you know, they have a baby, we can't have a baby, they have a bigger house, we want it. But that means in Christ, all those things are off the table and in Christ, it's a new economy and a new currency of how we do life and how we see life valuing and mattering. The Apostle Paul says, don't think about the things that are outward distinctions. He says, when honor's in question, you're not to push yourself forward, but be willing to give up your way to your neighbor as more worthy than yourself, and that is Jesus' way. And this is one thing that really caught me. This, um, this commentator said, the drive of Paul's amazing career came in the certainty within his own life that we may be united with the spirit that was in Christ, and it makes us new together with the enduring power and the humility that's at the opposite extreme from selfishness to conceit to wanting and loving and wanting to have our neighbor have just as good as we have it because of Jesus. And so that was the, the radical change that happened in community. And Paul ends with this. He says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He impresses on them that what they require as Christians is an inward disposition that directs them in all they do without their knowing. It means that Jesus starts changing us in our behavior even when we're like, ooh, wait a second, that was something new and different. That was the old me. This is the new me. I just did and thought something different. It means that when Christ is in our midst and he is taking possession of all that is within us, we take the example of Christ and we think about how the, um, that part of that chapter that's so beautiful that when we look to Jesus and we think, Jesus, this is, this is the ultimate. It says, in the very nature of God, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, meaning Jesus didn't try to take that for himself when he came to this earth. He literally gave it up. He made himself nothing. He took the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And he was found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That is our aim. So this morning as we, as we think about that, um, Tony, I'm going to ask you to go to the next slide. Is a transformed mindset then determines to prioritize the furthering of the kingdom of God and the flourishing of the body of Christ. Um, as we are in a new season, um, we're, there's so much new happening right now. Obviously, I'm new with you. John and Mary, um, you know, we really miss them, and they, they pastored you really well. And, and you're in this kind of in-between time of interim pastor and then seeking the next pastor. We're also in this, like, weird time of, of COVID still being a thing and impacting how we gather, how we do things together. Our world is a mess. Um, I don't know if you choose to watch the news, but I tried to watch the news the other night, and I was so upset. I'm like, my husband Dan's like, turn it off. I can't take it anymore. You know, we have to keep, we have to, on a, I, I shouldn't say this, but we have to keep a fixed mindset on one thing, though, and it's Jesus. It's on the furthering of the kingdom of God. It's in the furthering of bringing people who don't have Christ and don't have that hope and don't know the joy and the peace that comes from Jesus into our midst. It means loving on them, keeping the mindset of how do I love my neighbor as I love myself? How do I keep the mindset of flourishing my brothers and sisters in here so we can spur one another on and, and keep doing what God has called us to do? And that's going to take a transformed mindset. 
um, this, this finds us today then with, with options. It takes us to a place of saying, okay, how do we do this? And we're going to do this by gathering on Sundays. We're going to do this by gathering the best we can. No two as CDC guide, guidance comes out that will inform if we wear masks or not wear masks. Um, and I, I'm just going to be praying for us all that we will continue to have the mindset of Christ and to keep thinking. Um, I know like some of my coworkers at work, by the way, at my other job, they call me Mary Carrie Poppins <laughs> because I'm cheerfully optimistic like Mary Poppins was. But, but here's what I'm going to encourage you to do is keep a mindset of this is what we get to do. This is what we get to do, and, and, and not what we don't get to do or what we don't have, but what we do have together, and we have Christ, and we have each other. We have everything. Um, so there's a few things that I have for you um, this week, and one of them is a takeaway, and it's, and it's just this. This is what a few things that I was um, musing about this week. First of all, is there a brother or sister in Christ that I struggle to connect with due to fill-in-the-blank? Could be a lot of stuff. Will you pray this week, and this is for me too, will I pray about how to reach out to them and have intentional conversations about being one in mind in Christ? And obviously pray long and hard about that. Don't just go about that stuff willy-nilly, but really pray on it and, and sit with the Lord on it and wait for him to give you some direction. Um, I had a, a, t- a coffee with a friend this week, and she was telling me about a struggle she's having with a, one of our really good friends. And just and I, we were talking about why she hadn't talked to me. She goes, you know, the Holy Spirit hasn't given me the go-ahead on it because I know she's struggling. And so she, she was waiting for the Lord to give that opportunity and that time that she was going to um, really be confirmed on. This is for us this week to examine, are there areas I'm not humble or have selfishness or conceit? Is this keeping me from being in one accord with a brother or sister in Christ? Will I submit this to Jesus and ask for his heart to be with us? And that is, that's a beautiful thing for us as a church body to be collectively seeking and praying. Um, underneath in your chairs, and it might be in a chair next to you, um, I, have some, I have some things for you to take home this week. I call it heart work, not homework. Um, but our heart work together this week, couple things. It's two-sided. We're going to start with the one with the new city logo on it. I tried to be clever. If you think, if you think this is silly, well, I'm sorry. Um, I'll consult you next time for cleverness. <laughs> but this week, I thought about um, for each day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I thought about unpacking Philippians 2 with Acts chapter 4 in some ways that we can be purposeful in practicing the mind of Christ. So I thought this was kind of rhymy, humble Monday. I don't know. If you don't like it, call it something else. But humble Monday um, tomorrow is going to be, Lord, help us to be purposely considering humility today, to have self-awareness and think about our posture towards others. And there's a little space for you to write, um, or maybe you journal and you can expand on that. Tuesday, tender Tuesday. Lord, help my heart to be tender-hearted and compassionate like yours this week. Help me to practice compassion towards myself as well. So that's for Tuesday. Value Wednesday. I just was in a coupon mood that day. Um, Lord, help me to be aware of how I value others and esteem them. Thoughtful Thursday. 
Lord, I desire to be more thought-filled and intentional about my thoughts of you and my brothers and sisters and even how I think about myself. May your thoughts be mine. Calling Friday Selfless Friday. Lord, if there's any selfishness in my heart or attitudes towards others, show me this. Replace it with selflessness and a servant's attitude like you modeled. And then this, uh, this was actually for Chris Nosworthy because I thought he liked, um, he, I think he liked soccer. So I was trying to think of something clever. UFC, actually we're united for Christ. UFC Saturday, Holy Spirit, work within my heart and mind and show me ways to encourage unity with my brothers and sisters. If there are ways I am not part of the unity you desire for our church, help me with this. So this is just some things to encourage you this, this week in, in our discipline um, of mindfulness and, and having that same mind for Christ. You know, we're not, we're not going to think the same ways on a lot of things. You know, we're not robots. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Each one of us approaches life differently, thinks about things differently. But I really believe that the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, which worked within the early church so powerfully and grew them so well and helped them love each other so well, that is where God can orient us to have the same heart and mind. On the flip side, this is, um, this is the prayer that I, I wrote from Philippians chapter 2. You know, I love praying scripture because it's just us agreeing with God and his word. And so this morning, um, I am just going to pray this. Um, if you want to pray it out loud with me, you can. If you want to pray it silently, you can. But I also pray that this will bless you as you think about um, just where you're at with this right now and how God is working within you. So as we close today, um, I'm just going to put my hands out as I pray. If you want to pray in a posture of dropping down or of receiving or your hands in your lap, you can. And pray with me if you want. Father God, Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, I worship you in spirit and in truth. I ask for unity in my relationships. And thank you for your encouragement to me in how to live. I am comforted by you and your love. I choose to participate in the Spirit, seeking to be obedient to you in your call in my life. I pray for help in my relationships this week. I ask for your sympathy and your affection to be in my heart and mind. I realize I cannot summon these feelings from my own strength. Lord, you know me so well. You know where and when I want to go my way and not yours. You know when I don't want to love my brother or sister or be reminded they are my brother or sister in you. Please unify me with whomever I struggle to be loving and kind to or am not understanding. Help me to have your mind, your thoughts, and your attitude towards the difficult ones in my life who belong to you too. Help me to have your life to them and for them. Help me to see them the way you see them. Forgive me when I'm inflexible and unwilling to change. Forgive my attitude when it's not in agreement with yours. Forgive my selfishness and conceit. Help my posture to adjust to a humble one like yours. Check my ambitions, Lord, and if they are out of line and not truly for the flourishing of my brother or sister or the furling of your kingdom, bring those ambitions back into the place next to yours. Help me to seek the best in my brother or sister. Help my interests to agree with yours. Thank you for your example, Lord. Help me to submit to you, Lord. Help me in this time to see where you are at work in this world and to join you in your work. Please give wisdom for the complex problems our church will face. Give us your heart and mind in the decisions to come. Help me to yield my perceived rights and to follow you even when there is a cost.
May all I do, say, and consider this week be directed towards your glory, your honor. May the furthering of your kingdom here and yet to come and humbly loving my brothers and sisters occupy my attentions. I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.